Welcome to Drop Everything, podcast number 125. I'm your host, Dan Holzman. On this podcast, our special guest is juggler and comedian Rich Potter. Before we talk to Rich, though, let's thank our sponsor, the IJA, International Jugglers Association, has sponsored this podcast from the beginning. Go to juggle.org to find out about this great group of jugglers. That's juggle.org. Check out the IJA. All right. Now, for you listening at home, drop everything. Get ready for Rich Potter. Welcome to Drop Everything, podcast number 125. I'm your host, Dan Holzman. A big welcome to our special guest, Rich Potter. Hi, Rich. Hey, Dan. How you doing? Good. I know you just moved to New York uh, four years ago. I thought it was a bit more recent. I know if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. How's New York treating you? Oh, I'm still figuring it out. I, I moved there just, uh, or moved here, I guess I should say. I moved to New York uh, just about uh, eight months before the end times began mm-hmm. in 2019. Yeah, tough to, tough to get started during the COVID thing, yeah, especially going to a new town. Right, especially New York. <laughs> and uh, what's the what's gigging like out there? Do you have a lot of competition? Do you feel like there's plenty of work for everybody? Is it cutthroat? No, I mean, I, I'm worried about that moving up. And uh, I, I don't know, moving in, uh, I felt like every, the people I've encountered generally know what it's like to start over in a new place. And uh, I've, I've felt mostly welcomed by the community up here. Well, let's go to the old place. Where, where, where were you born? What did your parents do? And uh, how did you discover showbiz and juggling? That's big taking me back. Yeah, big about, question. Yeah. <laughs> it goes, goes back about 12 years when I was a kid. Yep, yep. Because you're, you're like maybe 23 now, I forget. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're still very young, which is surprising because you've been performing for, I don't know, 30 40, years. So. 40 years. 40. Okay. I was born in Washington, D.C. I uh, grew up in Maryland. Uh, I mean, I, I was born in the hospital in Washington, D.C., because I was the, the one we went to. Mm-hmm. Grew up in Maryland, uh, pretty typical kid. Uh, I mean, a little weird, a little artistic. And uh, I saw jugglers on TV once or twice, and I'd seen a, a clown came to my school once when I was in elementary school, and I saw the clown juggle three softballs, and I was, like any kid who sees juggling for the first time, you go home and my mom was a tennis instructor, so there were tennis balls everywhere, and you, you do the two-ball chase until someone <laughs> else did not. Right. So that takes me from third grade until ninth grade doing two-ball chase. I mean, did your mom juggle since she was a tennis instructor? A lot of tennis players know how to juggle. She didn't say, son, that's the two-ball chase. No, interestingly, uh, I mean, this, this could come up later, but I'll bring it up now. Sure. Uh, I, it was ninth grade when I learned to juggle. I was about 15. Uh, a friend of mine could juggle and I couldn't, and there's a story there. But uh, my father learned as a kid. He could do three ball shower. My mother went back to college uh, after I started getting into school. Uh, I'm the youngest of four. Uh, and she, for a class, I don't know what, she was studying kinesiology. So one of her classes had her learning to juggle three tennis balls. My older brother, Ned, he was at a summer camp or something, and he learned three balls. So I'm the fourth person to learn to juggle in my family hmm. out of six in my nuclear unit. And nobody, none of them taught me to juggle. I learned, uh, you know, if, if you don't teach kids to learn juggling at home, they're going to figure it out on the streets. Yeah, they're going to pick it up on the streets from those bad influences. I yeah, know. The clowns. And so and the my, my friend, uh, Bob Golden, he, he had lived in... England for three years. Uh, he was American, but he lived in England for three years before I met him. 
in seventh grade. And then in ninth grade, we, we were doing career reports in civics class. And we had to present some career that we thought we would go into. And uh, I did a I, I said, well, I'm going to be a commercial artist. And I drew up this thing, uh, mm. uh, an ad for the Charles Atlas uh, bodybuilders, <laughs> the Incredible Hulk. And the Incredible Hulk is saying Hulk used to be wimpy. Now Hulk strong. Thanks, Charles Atlas. Bob Gooden got up and he said, when I grow up, I want to be a circus clown. And he pulled out three blue racquetballs and started juggling. Uh, and you know, at this point, uh, he and I were pretty uh, close, and uh, I didn't know this thing about him either that he wanted to be be a clown, or that he wanted to, or that he could juggle. And obviously, juggling intrigued me. And uh, I asked him at the break, you know, between classes, it's like, how the hell do you do that? <laughs> and he taught me the two ball uh, crisscross pattern, and then, and he said, and three is just you go from there. And I went home and learned, and then came back. He said, yeah, but can you do this? And he threw one under the leg, and so. <laughs> We had this one-upsmanship. So the journey begins, right? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. And what about your dad? You said he could juggle, but what, what did he do for a living? Is that a whole story in itself? That's a, Yeah, of course. Uh, he's 98 now. He's still kicking. Oh, good, good. Well, he must have been a bit of an older parent, though, if he's 98, because my mom is, is almost 90, and she's still around. But 98, he must have been fairly later in life when, when you came along. He was 42 when I was born. Prior to that, he was a high school dropout, World War II vet, GI Bill studied radio technology. His next job, as I understand, he was installing television aerials, which was a new technology. <laughs> yeah. The, the little, uh, the, the skeleton that goes on top of your house. For, yeah, I remember it. A lot of yeah. people don't, but I, I, I see. I'm taking this for the kids. I know for you, the kids. Know, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it stuck out from your, from your roof. It was, it was silver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he was installing those on roofs and then I'm sure there there is a long ellipsis. He, he met my mom. They traveled around in the rebuilding of Europe and Japan. He was working as a civilian for the army, which became the Air Force uh, at some point. After that, he uh, was he worked for NASA. Oh, cool! All of a sudden, he ends up at NASA. That's a that, yeah. there's a story so, there for sure. Yeah, a high school dropout ends up working for NASA. Okay, he must have been very smart. I mean, that's that's cool. He he was smart, but he wasn't a good student, which uh, I inherited. <laughs> <laughs> Well, a lot of us are just too intrigued by following our passions and we're good at something we like, but then they try to push in some area we, we don't care about. We're like, don't care. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I want to juggle. There's a butterfly outside. I, I don't I don't want to be here right now. So. Right. Right. He sounds cool though. Did you, did you travel? So this was before he got married, but did you travel as a family? Did you go on trips? We would go to places down the east coast we we didn't travel internationally but we would like summer vacation we would take a week or two and go to like kitty hawk New, north carolina where the wright brothers are from or where they did their experiments we, we then went down to hilton head one year i remember because uh, they were tennis people so they'd play tennis and we'd go me and my brothers so would uh, fight all day and then in the evening we'd have dinner <laughs> did you get into tennis were you also uh yeah, tennis player a little bit. I mean, I, I learned tennis because that's what my mom was doing all day. And in the summer, you know, in, yeah. in order to she got us all into tennis, which I'm grateful for. But uh, it was not a path that I took. Right. It, it's something, you know, put me on a tennis court now. And if my knees cooperate, then I can still play. But uh, and, and I'm I'm OK. I'm, I'm not yeah. good. I'm OK. You know, you know, Coco Goff. I don't even know who Coco Goff is. She's she's the she just won the U.S. Open. <laughs> yeah, she won the U.S. Open last year. She's a. A very up-and-coming, exciting tennis player. 
Uh, I'm, I'm a tennis fan, the so I, I young uh, uh, Williams sisters. Yes, yeah, she's she's uh, like the uh, new Williams sisters. She's African American and just an incredible talent, and uh, very exciting to watch Coco Goff and a great name. Yeah, Coco yeah. Goff, so. <laughs> and, and Coco Goff. I mean, it strikes me as uh, yeah, people who dress in black and uh, uh, yeah. drink. I, I thought at first it was like Coco Puff. I'm like. That can't be a real name, Coco Puff. That sounds like a rapper name. <laughs> exactly. Little little Coco Puff. <laughs> I'm Coco for Coco Puffs. So you're in this sort of athletic family. You got these brothers. When you learned to juggle at 15, how long before you thought, yeah, this could be a career. I could be a circus clown. I mean, how long did that uh, transition take? Because you okay. went to Ringley Brothers Clown College. Let's talk about how you got there and how you made that decision to make this your life. Well, uh, Bob Godin and I, uh, we, we had this washmanship. And uh, remember, the premise was he stepped in front of the class and said, when I grow up, I want to be a circus clown. Yeah. I've been in school plays and stuff, but I wasn't really a theater kid. But I, if I saw an audience <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, a classroom of 30 kids with one teacher at the head, I feel so bad for my teachers. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That one retrospect. Yeah. But I, I was always trying to make the funny comment and make everyone laugh. And, you sure. know, I, I, had a, I had a success rate of maybe one in 50. <laughs> well, but yeah, you, so you were the wannabe class clown. You're not even the class clown yet. You're just the wannabe class clown. Right. That one one laugh out of 50 was uh, enough heroin. <laughs> right, right, right. Got you hooked. Keep the dragon. Yeah, the first yeah. one's free, and then they, they get you hooked on that laughter, and you're like, uh-oh. Exactly. I like making people laugh. It's fun. Exactly. And, you know, I'm the youngest of four. Some people ask, uh, like, how did you get your start in comedy? And it's like, I'm the youngest of four. Hmm. The youngest is often the funny one because we get a certain type of latitude, but we also realize runs downhill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was also the youngest. So I I was the youngest of three. Uh But uh, I'd also like to think I'm the funny one. Yeah. My siblings are all funny, but I'm definitely the one who's uh, put an eye towards the craft and it shows, but you know, still I'll, I'll make sure. a comment and they'll, they'll roll their eyes at me cause they've heard, <laughs> they, they know where it's coming <laughs> from. They've seen the sausage being made and an, a fresh audience. They get the prime cut. Yeah. But some of us definitely do turn to comedy as like our defense mechanism or just our, our go-to. It sure. becomes our, our weapon, our, like you say, our drug of choice. So right. I remember my first joke that really made an impact with my, it's not a good story, but I'll, I'll, I'll just tell it real quick. So I'm about maybe 10 or 11, and my dad was very much an intellectual, kind of a theatrical guy, interested in theater and Gilbert and Sullivan, and you know, kind of an intellectually, uh, I don't say a, a mean guy, but very intellectually sharp and could kind of be cutting. And so he's with his, with his friends, and he's like, and here's my youngest son. Look, he's kind of kind of fat and not very smart, and you know, just really <laughs> putting me down, right? And I'm like, oh. I guess that's why people say I take after you, Dad. Oh, nice. Oh, it was great. And it was such a good joke. And his, his friends cracked up. I knew he wanted to get angry, but I, I think it was just too good a joke. Like, well, how can you complain? I'm just turning it back on you kind of thing. And you, I realized, oh, yeah, you I'm quick. People. And that was a good one. Yeah. So, yeah. That, uh, how old were you? Like 10 or 11 or something. And I don't know where I got the balls because I, I, my dad was very intimidating. He was uh-huh. a big heavy guy like you know he was almost 400 pounds at one point like 6'2 giant guy very angry <laughs> so but it worked and I'm like oh I kind of went away thinking boy that, that I, got, I got away with that one <laughs> I still remember it all these years later that the power of that one joke you know yeah yeah it, uh, comedy uh, jokes uh, laughter it, it can be healing uh, I mean it's a shield definitely yeah. a shield but definitely it, a shield. It, it can yeah. heal and you know allow us to cope 
And but why clowning? I mean, that's something that not everybody like when I started juggling, I was interested in the in the, the clown circus because there wasn't really much else available. But did you really were intrigued by the clowning part of it? Well, here's the thing. Like, yeah, we're still like spinning our, spinning our wheels in the mud for uh, the like how I got started. But yeah. uh, so from 15, it was it was pretty much immediate when I'm, uh, I mean, he 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 mentions he shows us we can juggle. He could juggle. Uh, he tells us about how to get into the circus and tells us about clown college all in like his five minute presentation. Right. And so afterwards, I have all these questions, and it's pretty much like as soon as I learned to juggle, I I, I learned to juggle because I wanted to learn to juggle, but I also figured that was a fundamental clown skill, and I didn't know what clowning was. I couldn't have defined it. I just knew it was people who put on funny makeup and did funny things, but I didn't know anything. About, I, <laughs> right. I didn't even yet connect it to like Tim Conway or Charlie Chaplin or, or any of that stuff. It's just like these people in the circus. Well, we saw like Bozo, like our image of clowns right. were like Emmett Kelly was like sort of this mythical character. And you saw little clips here or there, but we didn't have a lot of stuff to look at back in those days. Well, we had no internet. <laughs> no, so, but like Bozo and, and Ronald McDonald, like these were like those big garish, you know, redhead, redhead clowns that were so stereotypically bad there were pastiche clowns it's like okay. you pastiche it's a veneer it's it's the surface level of clown i've heard them called like picture clowns like their makeup is good they look good but they got like no nothing underneath it there's really no skills well well i, I, want, I want to stop you there because i i know some of the people who've done these roles and they they are skilled performers oh yeah but... no like bozo lasted forever and he, yeah and uh there's been it, a ton of ronald mcdonald's the person who is ronald mcdonald <laughs> one of many, yeah. Because I, I knew I knew about Ronald McDonald. It was very secretive. He yeah. Wouldn't tell. It was T Bone the Clown, and he was also Ronald McDonald, but he he kept it really very secretive. Exactly. It's uh, you know, there's a mythology, and it's like Santa Claus. You you don't want to tell kids what the the truth about Ronald McDonald until they're ready. But he never juggled. I never saw like Ronald McDonald in the commercial. I never saw him demonstrating any skills. You know, in, in like the the TV. And, and that's what I'm talking about. It's pastiche. You're you're seeing a 30 seconds of a mm. career of uh, experience, and yeah. these, these, the guys who they put in the shoes, who go out and do the you know they, they do their market in you know I don't know, Chicago or the, yeah, the, the personal appearances they go would do and stuff. Yeah, and, and for those, often they'll have to do a full 40 minute show, hour show for kids in mm -hmm. the schools. They have to have some skills in order to do that. So I don't want to diss the people doing the Ronald McDonald uh, no, character. I'm just dissing Ronald McDonald himself. Like yeah, the, the concept, is, it's boiled down. It's like what most people see is these 30-second clips where he just smiles and points at a burger. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's... Uh oh, more. here comes Remus. <laughs> right, right. But then, you know, I, I feel the same way about, uh, like, these, uh, ta quote, talent shows on TV, like AGT, or mm -hmm. there used to be one, what, 90 Seconds to Fame? It's like, yeah. you're trying to boil down a career to 90 seconds, and then four jackasses can thumbs up and thumbs <laughs> down you. And they know nothing. They're like, they see something like, that's the most original thing I've ever seen. You're like, that's that's, right. that's the Russian bar, you know, or whatever it is. It's like, right. they don't. They need to have someone to educate them a little bit so they don't come across totally. And the, the attitude towards juggling, especially in the beginning of AGT, what's that about? Like, right off the bat, hating an art form. Yeah. It's not a great start for us in the in the talent competitions as jugglers. Right. So, so we're still stuck in the mud. Let's go back to, to how, you're, how you made this transition. All right. So by 12th grade, I was no longer, uh, let's say our, our friend, my friendship with this guy went on hiatus. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, 
He got I mean, jealous of your juggling. Just admit it. Okay. Exactly. Okay. He was the sort of guy, like, every every three or six months, he'd have a new passion. And uh, so I, I, <laughs> right. he took a curve in the road, and I went straight. At the end of high school, I auditioned for a local variety show that traveled around the summer playgrounds for through park and planning. Yeah, I auditioned with... I don't know what the hell I did, but it was terrible. But I got in because I had a skill and I was, yeah. I, I guess I was reasonably entertaining. Like they put me on this stage in front of the, I don't know who I was in front of because there were lights in my eyes. <laughs> I never juggled on a stage and I'd never juggled under under lights before. And so I, I couldn't see my four cube-shaped mm. uh, uh, klutz cl uh, balls. Right, right. <laughs> That's another thing that really uh, can stereotype you. Like, oh, he has those square klutz balls. You know, you know, he's just getting started. Yeah. Well, but back in what this was 1985. Yeah. And so just the fact that I could keep three objects in, and four <laughs> up in the air for any amount of time <laughs> uh, just set me up as. Uh, yeah. Wow. The, this kid's good. He's going places. And, th and these are the kind of shows you have to get like these early like, OK, it's Parks and Recs. It's like these little dumpy little shows or something. But you got to You got to get started. You need someone to, to believe in you. Yeah, around that time, I started sneaking into the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I wanted to be one of those guys. Uh, the people there, I recall, there was uh, Niccolo the Juggler or uh, Niccolo Winston. Yeah, Nick Noodlin, right? Nick Noodlin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he was the juggler there. He was doing like six ball multiplex. And I don't recall him doing clubs, but it was a Renaissance thing. I, I think he did club-like things, like uh, he did a torch. Yeah, I worked with Nick in the Renaissance Fairs, too. And his wife, Joanne, right? Joanne yep. Whimsey. Yep. And, yeah. Nice couple. I was always impressed because he stayed so youthful looking for so long. You know, he always sort of stayed the same looking, you know, Nick did. And his wife, too. They just stayed so youthful and, and young looking. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this this work does, it, it can age you, but it also, also can keep you young. The whole Peter Pan thing, for sure. Sure. Keeps you youngish, at least in your mind. Yeah. And so it, there's a guy... Uh, Timothy Rhythm. I don't know his real name, but he went by Timothy Rhythm. And he, he was a five club juggler, which just boggled my mind. I, I think he's the first five club juggler I saw in human uh, form. I want to make some joke like he had good rhythm when he juggled, but uh, I'll, you know, um, or he, he had a method when he juggled, but I'm not going to. Uh... Yeah, I, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that was part of uh, when he was sitting around with a spliff and figuring out what he right, wanted to right, call right. himself. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It sounds hippy-dippy for sure. Yeah, yeah. But that's a good place to start. Another good yeah. thing to uh, place for, for people getting beginning are these, like I say, these little rec shows, but also the Renaissance Fair. Yeah. Another a great place to get your, your feet wet. Yeah. The other people, uh, the, I think my second or third year, uh, Pandemonium showed up. Uh, Pandemonium was a three-person juggling act, which I'd never seen one of those up close and personal. And it was uh, Jerry Rowan, Dan okay. Looker, and uh, Chris Christopher Silk, or Silks, I think it is. Uh, so the three of them were doing a trio act at, at the time. But uh, I'm sure some people know these names. Well, Jerry Rowan is is still, he had a pretty long, I don't know, I don't know the other ones, but I know Jerry. Yeah, oh, uh, Dan, Dan, Dan Looker is a Daniel Duke of Danger. Oh, okay. That sounds familiar too, actually. Dan Looker. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, I mean, the, the three of them, like at, at that time, well, that's fast forwarding because I uh, joined forces with a couple of other jugglers. We were a trio and then we were seeing these guys. We we're like, we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, but so you're, you're kind of dipping your toe in. You're doing some shows. You're at the Renaissance Fair. Are you just calling yourself Rich Potter the Juggler or did you have a, any kind of character name yet? Or Well, the, the three of us together, that, which was a very short-lived uh, partnership, but it was... Uh, 
we went by the jugglery of errors. Oh, and, <laughs> okay. And we, we were really clever. We spelled errors, A-E-R-R-O-R-S. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that's, okay. Maybe it works for the Renaissance Fair, but that's a pretty... Uh, well, we cheap. were trying to go Shakespearean. Right, 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 right. But, uh, that's cool, yeah. Our, our trio became a duo, and uh, we, we traveled like to Georgia and Tennessee at the, the new Renaissance Fairs mm -hmm. there, and... Nobody knew. Like this, this was not the crowd for uh, such erudite spellings. Of, uh... <laughs> exactly. No, they want more. Like, hey, more, more beer and turkey legs. Yep. More dick jokes. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're great. The fairies are great because you have to kind of really entertain sort of you know low attention span drunk patrons a lot, and you gotta you gotta hit them fast, hit them hard, and and of course you're doing it for tips. So right. you learn quick. You better. Uh, Keep their attention and get their money, right? The money's yeah. there. We're there. Let's leave together. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good start, man. It sounds like you're really uh, starting in that very organic way and getting yeah. in front of a lot of people. So, yeah, I, how did it progress from there? Okay. So, let's see. Uh, I did park and planning. Then I, oh, while I was doing the park and planning thing. So, uh, that was five days a week. And then on the weekends, I was working at uh, a water amusement park in Largo, Maryland called Wild World. Mm. which is now a Six Flags, but at the time it was uh, a different management a few times over. I, I was a clown wandering around the grounds uh, for five bucks an hour. Hmm. And I was... <laughs> Reminds me again of me because I did that same thing for eight bucks an hour. Another uh, great training ground, those amusement parks. Yeah. This is the thing I was putting on. Um, uh, I, I was putting on clown makeup. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, yeah, it was God awful. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, except I knew I knew to powder it. <laughs> Right. Okay. But all day at an amusement park wearing clown makeup. Blah. Yeah. 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 And uh, a typical, a typical interaction would be I'd be wandering around minding my own business with three uh, like disgusting, filthy tennis balls, <laughs> and uh, some mom would walk up with her baby in a stroller, and she'd go, "Hey, look, a clown!" And she'd roll <laughs> the baby with a stroller right up to my face. I'd look down, and the baby would start crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i learned w with those reactions interactions uh i tried to just get away from them as quickly as possible but, but even if, if the kids were on their own feet i would try to convince them that they weren't scared <laughs> and that, what kind of cloud were you i mean did you have a a wig or was it just uh no, it was you... no a wig that would have cost money um, <laughs> right, right, okay. No, it was, it was. Uh, if I had extra money, I would have gone to the thrift store. But on the, on the, the five bucks an hour I was getting, uh, oh I, I was just going through my old stuff, and it's like, oh, this is torn up. I guess I'm a tramp clown. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh, wait, how do I dress this up? I'll roll up the sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it was a big deal when I, I finally went out and bought some suspenders. Mm, okay, there you go. Right, right, right. Mork for Mork, he wore suspenders, and those are funny. Yeah, yeah. Mork for Mork, another uh, influential character for us comedy. Yeah. For a lot of us, yeah. Yeah, Robin Williams for, for you young people. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I remember when he, the show came out, Mork for Mork, I was living in the airport motel, and I was so poor. I didn't have a TV, but my radio picked up the TV. Oh, wow. So I would listen to TV on the radio. And I remember when uh, Robin Williams and Jonathan Winters appeared on Mork and Mindy. And I'm, I'm listening to it on the radio like like, 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 like I'm back in the 30s. Right, you know? right. But uh, very influential. His, his, his character, uh, when he came out on uh, Happy Days, then Mork and Mindy, 
very influential for for comedy thinking and comedy minds. I think. Yeah. So, all right. So you're at the amusement park. You're you're getting really good training. At this point, you, you pretty much commit. You're you're a full time entertainer at this point. Well, because uh, didn't you work also as a graphic artist? Uh, no, in like well, your early. Here's the thing. So, I mean, I'm I'm still I'm still 18 years old <laughs> at this point. <laughs> okay. Right. 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 So, uh, like before that, I was a full time student at high school. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so I, I was doing the, the weekends as the crappy clown and weekdays as the crappy comedy juggler. <laughs> then I started college. I went to college for one year studying art, and uh, I took a couple of theater classes. Uh, no, no, I, I guess I should say I took one theater class and one acrobatics class. <laughs> well, you're, I mean, you're learning your trade. I mean, you're, you're getting in front of people. You're taking some classes. Sounds like you're doing the right things. Yeah, I, I knew this was my path. What I was thinking when I first started was maybe I'll do two years of college. I'll go do the circus thing, and then I'll come back and do college, finish college. And, it, you know, the wiser, older people said it's not going to work out that way. And I said, of course it is. So I did one year of college. Right. <laughs> dropped out. I didn't realize I was dropping out permanently, but uh, uh, foreshadowing. But so a after my one year of college, and I did a few little gigs here and there, you know, uh, the Baltimore Jugglers Association would, uh, they, they would get these calls from organizations in the area. It's like, hey, we're looking for uh, a juggler at our event. We have a budget of $25. Can you send right. someone? <laughs> get Rich Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did some, my first street shows I did under that auspice. I got 25 bucks to show up yeah i think uh, after a day of busking i had about 28 dollars in my hat <laughs> who books that gig is that still available <laughs> <Who books that? laughs> i'm looking for work <laughs> and uh, there was another juggler uh, aaron tucker he, he was at the other end of the festival and we were we didn't see what the other was doing but we both had a similar experience and Actually, after I went off to the circus, he he followed. He's like a couple of years younger than me, and a couple of years later, he was with the circus. We never interacted on the circus, but uh, anyway, uh, shout out yeah. to Aaron Tucker if he's listening. He's in Japan now with uh, circus over there, like oh. after all these years. But uh, so after that year of college, one of the things I did instead of studying was I was calling around to the various Renaissance festivals to book me and my one partner. This was. Much of that year was two partners, but the three of us, uh, we had a split off. I, uh, me and my one partner, we booked two Renaissance fairs for that following summer. They were like six weeks apart. We did Tennessee Renaissance Festival. I, I did a solo show. Like I, I just showed up at Georgia Renaissance Fair and said, hey, do you want an extra juggling act? They're like, we're new. Sure. Stand over there and do the show. Right, right. So I, I did that. And then when uh, Tennessee started, I went over to Tennessee, met up with my partner. We did a duo show for three weeks with uh, Ro Nagy. was the other juggler there. Yeah, I know. Uh, and uh, Magical Mystical Michael was there, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, these these were contemporaries. And, I've, you know, I, I had a discussion with Ro. Ro, Ro is a Baltimore guy. And uh, so we, we both were in that circle in Baltimore, but I didn't really interact with uh, him uh, much. We knew each other, but uh, mm. you know, he, he was one of the older guard and I was a young kid still wet behind the ears. But uh, at one point he uh, came to me, he said, Rich, you're using a line in your show. And you, I think you took it from my show. I'm not getting a laugh for it anymore because people mm. are getting it from you. And I'm like, yeah, well, I, 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 didn't, uh, I didn't steal it from you. <laughs> I stole it from this other guy in Baltimore. He's like, who? He's like, uh, and I was like, uh, Stuartini, uh, Stu Stuart Buckwald. And he's like, Stuart steals from everyone. 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't steal it from you. I stole it from another guy who stole it from you. Exactly. Well, but it, it was it was one of the uh, old standards. It, it wasn't yeah. Rose line. It, you know. Oh, it, I see. You stole the old line I'm using. I love yeah, that. You line. stole the line I stole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you stole my old gag that I that I saw on the Three Stooges or something. Yeah. We we went back and forth, and it was it, like I was so starved for uh, material. It's like it was hard to give it up. But it, as as I recall, we we did take the joke out of the show. And uh, yeah, and I, I just stole something else that I'd heard someone else say. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. To replace it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about those Renaissance fairs. I mean, it's like you say, you work with other acts, and then next time you see them, you're like, huh, you didn't have that joke in your show before you saw our show. Now it appeared in your show. Right. There's a lot of sharing going on in the Renaissance fairs, it seems like. Well, also on the street, I found, like, I I worked on the street for 30 years, 30 plus years. And when you see enough street shows, you start to, like, anticipate, you know, what joke's going to be next. <laughs> sure, sure. I, had a, I was doing some street shows, and I had an original hat line. And uh, the act after me started using that same hat line. He goes, oh, I thought we got to share those. Oh my! Right. I thought I thought if you had a good hat line, you'd, you'd want other people to use it. I'm like, what school of street performing did you go to? You know, that's not the that's not how I learned it. But what uh, school of street performing is there? You know, I don't know, but you don't take someone's hat pass line if it's original. So yeah, there's there's rules, there's etiquette in the street performing world. But the rules and etiquette you you learn by transgressing them. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you got your hand slapped a few times. You're like, oh, I get it. So. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully the older performers, they, they kind of take you aside a little bit. Sometimes they give you good advice, and sometimes they, they give you bad advice. Right. Not intentionally, but they, they, they sort of sabotage their own careers, and they pass that along to you. Yeah. <laughs> and helpful <laughs> advice. So what, when, did, uh, when did you actually go to, let's move it forward a little bit, when did you go to clown college, and what was that experience like? All right, so midsummer, to spin those wheels in the mud a little more, uh, midsummer, yeah. my juggling partner got accepted into clown college, and I had applied the same year, uh, but I didn't hear anything. So he was going to bail in the middle of a contract uh, at New York Renaissance Fair. Not the good one, but the one in, well, at the time, there were two Renaissance Fairs. There still are. Yeah. And everyone knew the one at Sterling was the good one, the more authentic one, and the one closer to the city, which is called coincidentally Sterling Forest, it was considered the lesser one. And I got booked at the lesser one. And it was a fine fair. We got to the yeah. fair and it was fine. But that, that's kind of that was the buzz 30 plus years ago. And uh, there's another tangent we could go on that I don't know a whole lot about. So we're in the middle of that contract. My partner gets the call from Clown College. He's like, well, I'm going to be bailing on the contract. <laughs> I'm like, well, am I going to be doing this solo? And I, I chickened out and I left when, oh, when okay, he yeah, left. Yeah. And a week later, later, I'm like, yeah, I'm sleeping till noon at my parents' house, uh, and uh, the phone rings periodically. It's a military recruiter. It's like, hey, I, I hit the loser. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> College dropout. <laughs> and uh, the phone rang. And, and the, these are rotary phones that connect to the wall with a cord. Yeah. And the phone was in my mom, my parents' room, and. The phone rings, uh, that, that like mechanical analog bell, cling a cling a cling a cling. Yeah. Thirty seconds later, the knock 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 on my bedroom door. I'm like, I don't want to join the arm. <laughs> and she's like, uh, Rich, it's Steve Smith from Clown College. She wants to oh, talk okay. to you. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and this is like two weeks before Clown College is supposed to start. Right, right. 
And uh, so that that's it. I'm 19 years old. I've just had uh, age 15 to 19 uh, is everything we've talked about up to yeah. the point. And then at age 19, I go down to Clown College. You, you have a question about that before we move forward? Well, I mean, Clown College, so that, I always wonder how people get into it. So the idea that they call you on your on your phone, your, you know, your, your home phone. And Steve Smith is a pretty big name in clowning. He's still, yeah. Yeah. And uh, just this idea of, you know, I wanted to do it, but I know it's very intensive. It's very long. uh, You know, the days are long. Who were, who was your juggling instructor? I know there's a juggling instructor. That's a position I always wanted to do after I, I never went to clown college, but I thought, boy, to be juggling instructor at clown college would be the best. Steve Smith had come in the year before I I joined, uh, before I went down. So, yeah. and the, the sessions are just under 11 weeks long. So it's not like it was a 10 year course or anything. But still 11 weeks is, is still pretty intensive. It's, oh yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. But it, some people ask, well, how long was that? And it's like, I, I always feel a little sheepish. Well, it was like two and a half months. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Changed my life. Yeah. It, it changed my life. It changed a lot of lives. It was, yeah. We call it boot camp or basic training. And, and it just, it gets you up and running and ready to put your clown shoes on and step step into the arena if they call call upon you to do it. Yeah. Steve Smith came on and a lot of the teachers changed. He was the director slash dean. He was able to say, I want this staff. And uh, he brought in Steve Russell, who graduated yeah. from Clown College in 1977, never toured with the show. He toured with other circuses. That's Attaboy Steve, right? Attaboy Steve. Yeah. Attaboy Steve. Yeah. Attaboy Steve. He did Renaissance Fairs. Did you see him yeah. at Renaissance Fairs? Yeah, I worked with him. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah, great guy. He talked about uh, his experience learning to juggle and then doing Renaissance Fairs. I'm like, I've done these things. And, <laughs> and I, I was a real sarcastic bastard. <laughs> right, 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 right. And, uh, you know, I, I got the laughs. But at one point, he realized uh, he didn't want people to say, that guy's so funny. He wanted people to say, I like that guy. I want to take him to dinner. Okay. So about the likability. Yeah. And uh, like I heard the words and it took me another 15 years to start down the path of stop, uh, like being a nice guy. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm fast forwarding, but when I was, when I was doing street, I, I always thought, you know, doing the biting thing and uh, being this right, fantastic right. guy was, you know, it was easy for me because I'm the youngest of four and full of rage. <laughs> <laughs> well, not everybody can be the butterfly man, right? Not everybody should be the, yeah. the sarcastic, uh, you know, biter. Some, right. some of us want to be the the cuddly puppies. Right. Everybody should be the the biting uh, pit bull. <laughs> yeah, the touchy feely, fluffy, happy ones. I, I always wanted to like push them off their unicycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when people hire a clown, they're not always expecting the sarcastic clown. Yeah, right. They want the uh, the pastiche, the pastiche clown sometimes. Mm. And then you worked with the circus, right? You actually, yeah. Not everybody gets to tour with them. How do they decide? Is it just like a big audition or? Do they? What percentage actually goes on with the circus? It's different every year. It depends on the needs of the units. When mm-hmm. when I was there, there were two units and there were twenty six clowns per unit. Wow. Okay. Uh, so the red unit, blue unit, separate full touring shows. They uh, kind of each did a two year circuit, big city tour, and then small town tour, big city tour, small town tour. And I, I did a big city tour with the red unit in nineteen eighty seven. The way I got that gig was. At the end of Clown College, everything is, culminates on the gala. The gala is the final performance. We, you know, we learn, yeah. we learn our craft, we build our routines, we, you know, build our costumes, props, etc. And at the final performance, 
family of all the grad uh, the graduating clowns uh, are are invited. People from the community in Venice, Florida, were invited, and there's a lot of circus people down in Florida. Just that's where they winter, and that's where yeah. a lot of them retire. And uh, Kenneth Feld, the owner of the circus, then he he had just received the circus from her his father who who had died the year before like Irvin Feld bought the circus from the last Ringling brother and uh Irvin died in 1985 Steve Smith was brought in as uh the new dean in 1985 uh and then a year after his father dies he's watching us I I think the people in 85 got a real weird uh, I wasn't there but I, I just presume you know the guy's dad just died and now he's trying to judge clowns hmm. <laughs> and he's you know, like he's not not background. Like, even though the Feld name, of course, is another legendary name in, in sure. circus and entertainment, but not everybody should be picking clowns. <laughs> yeah. but, but they picked you though, so you had good taste, I suppose, or maybe terrible taste. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like he, his dad died. He's not feeling. He's not thinking so straight. Yeah, give me that one. <laughs> <laughs> give, give me the sarcastic, angry one. Yeah, the sarcastic, angry one. It looks like he dressed, dressed at the thrift store. Yeah. That one. Yeah. <laughs> the but, tramp clown. Yeah, at uh, a clown college. So I'm 19. One, one, one guy nicknamed me uh, Cynic Clown. <laughs> I'm, I'm always just trying to like take something happy and poke holes in it. But I, I developed an act with, or actually, I did the stunts while uh, Leslie Hill, uh, now Leslie Hill or Ortiz, she, I learned to do a, an idea, a, a stunt, which was standing on uh, stilts and bending over and picking up a juggling ball. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and they were yeah eighteen inch stilts. It wasn't like huge, but it was obvious I'm on stilts, and it's like uh, I, I right. could show of not being able to do it, and then I could do it. And someone else said, "Hey, I think it was David Lind, and." Uh, I would be embarrassed if I have the name wrong, but I think it was him. I, like, because I'm, I'm showing people, hey, look what I can do. And he says, you can make that an act. And he, uh, like, someone, you're you're trying to juggle and you drop one, and then someone's trying to keep it from you. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I I find the the short, cute girl clown who uh, I had a series of crushes. She was one of them. <laughs> yeah, well, short girl clown. That sounds attractive. Uh, <laughs> He's like, okay, yeah, I can see that. She's the short, cute girl clown. That's yeah. Very, you're 19. You're like that's okay. Yeah, uh, very very talented, and just and she had kind of a bratty character, which really played into it. And the the way I I look at it is uh, when we were working together, she she had some more theatrical training or whatnot. I, I'm kind of a fish out of water, but I, I know enough to do the stunts and like stand there and look stupid. Um, so she kind of put together like 65% of it. I put together like 35% of it. She pulls my leg out and I go into a split and I, she helps me up and then I fall on my face. And yeah, the whole time she, I'm trying to get the juggling ball back and she's like holding it out of my reach and kicking it out of my way. And uh, the, the final time uh, I just, I blow up and I throw the balls on the ground and I pick her up and throw her in a garbage can. Mm -hmm. And then I walk back and just angrily, I pick up three, three balls I, I do a quick cascade and a quick finish, and that was it. And that got me a circus career. <laughs> hmm. So you did the full two years. Is that that's the? I, I did not. I, I did. One, oh. I did one year. That was the obligation. And at, right. at, the, at the end of the year, Kenneth Feld sits me down in his office. He, he's doing contracts for the uh, next year, and I, I was. Uh, it had been a hard year for me. Just uh, they talk about the emotional roller coaster of being on the road, and yeah, and it's small, tight quarters, and lots yeah. of characters. Yeah, I could see that. I, I honored my obligation um, of the one year, and I thought, well, I've been there, done that. 
what else is there? I'm I'm 20 years old now, and I you know want to know what what other oysters there are in life. Yeah. So he sits me down. He says, "Well, what are your plans for next year?" I'm like, oh, "I don't know. I think I'm doing something different. Maybe I'll go work for uh, another circus." <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and he, he just looks me in the eye and he says. So I train you and you want to work for my competition. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't think of it that way. Right. Yeah, you, know, you still have a lot to learn, I think. I don't think that's the answer you wanted particularly. <laughs> but I, so I looked at, um, uh, I mean, what I had said, what I was trying to say was I want a change of pace. And, uh, and so what I did say is, well, I, I thought maybe three ring format I've done, I'd like to try one ring because uh, I, I didn't like the fact that you know, you're doing something funny in ring three, but the audience is laughing at the wrong time. And, oh, there's two other acts going on. It's like, and I actually, as an audience member, it's hard to follow uh, a three ring circus. You should just tell them to say, look, I want the circus to be more about me. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's too, there's too much going on. I want it to be more about me. Yeah. You, you get that, Ken, right? You, you get that. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what I said is, uh, you know, maybe a one ring circus. I just want to change the pace. And he says, well, yeah. what, if you want to change the pace, how would you like to work at Disney? Oh, that's cool. Okay. And so they, they had a, contra- a three-year contract with Disney to do Circus Fantasy for three months from January to March. And this was the third year coming up. Right. So I, I went and did that gig for a while. And, and then he said, but that's only three months. How about uh, after that, I send you to J- Japan? Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's like, that's cool. Yeah. Well, that certainly fits my criteria. Um, so it's a Japan Ringling Brothers tour for two years, and I did that. Nice. After the Disney thing, in between, I traveled around Europe, and yeah, I had some juggling clubs in my backpack. But I wasn't there to busk, but I did some busking while I was there. You know, I was yeah. there to go see the Eiffel Tower and you know the Leaning Tower of. You were there to be a young man in Europe. Yeah, exactly, right. exactly. And, and yeah. it was winter. You know, it's not like you can gather huge crowds. Right, and right, People right. are shivering. At one point, I, I was running out of money, and I was uh, visiting my sister, who's living in Athens, Greece, uh, during the Easter holidays. Uh, it wasn't Easter, but it was kind of, uh, I forget, it's like carnival. It, so it's earlier. It's more more like carnival, but the Greek word for it, I forget. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I went out and just you know threw, threw some in the air, and I, didn't see, I, I spoke like eight words of Greek, and each one got a laugh because <laughs> it was weird for this idiot throwing stuff in the air uh, to, to say any mispronounced greek word and you know they it was my first first time just showing up in a place and busking and i i I had my stuff in my backpack behind me i was juggling three uh large yellow brian dubay stage balls and uh i'm I'm doing some shtick as well i you know just making faces and kind of wandering around and uh you know making weird movements I, i i had the clown movement but i didn't really have an act but yeah. at one point, someone walked behind me into my stuff, grabbed my hat, put it in front of me, and threw money in it. Mm. <laughs> and I, yeah. <laughs> right. Some some nice passerby like, oh, this the street performer. <laughs> I had this thinking about this story the other day. This is uh, one of my first street performing experiences. So I'm going to my local mall. Like my, it's just started these outdoor malls, uh-huh. you know, like with the Sears or you know Macy's, whatever, and. And I, I go, okay, there's people there. I'm going to go. I'm going to put down a glass bowl. <laughs> people can see that there's money. Uh, so I thought, well, they have, they have to see the money. So I put like this glass bowl down with a few bucks I put in there. Within three minutes, someone kicks the bowl and shatters it. And the, you know, the money's all over. They go, why would you put a glass bowl on the ground? I'm like, you know, so I need a nice guy like to come by with a hat and say, no, this is how you do it. So don't start with a glass bowl. 
right tip number one so sorry that just just that came to my mind the other day like how bad i was when i started the oh. class bowl story so yeah yeah i i, I look at when, when i have a bad show especially i think about <laughs> those <laughs> early shows it's like i haven't gotten any better <laughs> hey there's no matter how how far you get there's shows that humble you. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, I, I got this. You're like, oh, that one I didn't quite have. That one got away. Well, we're, you know, we're, we're, we've covered a lot, but there's still so much to cover. I'm going to kind of go rapid fire. we got about another 15 minutes, and there's, we haven't even gotten you out of the I'm still in diapers. circus that much. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about some other places you studied. Uh, at a certain point, you went to Celebration Barn and the Nouveau Clown Institute. So you like to take classes. Who are some of your teachers and, and what kind of things did you learn from these other clowning uh, university type places like Celebration Barn and Nouveau, Nouveau Clown Institute? I would say the gateway to all of that was uh, Motion Fest. So I, w- I want to give a shout out to mm. Michael Rossman and Motion uh-huh. Fest. Like at one point, uh, Michael's from Baltimore as well. He came to me, he says, uh, Rich, I'm thinking of putting together this uh, conference for variety entertainers where people can take workshops and stuff. And uh, my response was, oh, that sounds like too much work and it's probably not going to work anyway. <laughs> right. And it changed my life. So uh, thank you, Michael. Yeah, he brought in great teachers and that, that was like went on for like three or four years, right? It was pretty, uh, pretty ambitious. It was ambitious. And it, no, it went on for nine years. Yeah, ten, I guess. Ten years. It, it, would, it started in 2000. It went till uh, I think 2005 is Motion Fest, and then they changed venue and changed focus. It became Mini Fest for about three or four years, mm. and the final year was Micro Fest. It got, it got <laughs> just one guy. It, it's like Spinal <laughs> Tap, but playing to a more select crowd. Right, right. <laughs> but it, I mean, yeah, it was great. I mean, one of our uh, one of the last two two years, we had uh, Bill Irwin. Nice. And yeah. uh, after that, we we had Mark Jaster and Django Edwards, and J- Django. Well, uh, along the way. Let's say I met Avner through Motion Fest, Avner Eisenberg, Avner the eccentric, and he was a big part of the Celebration Barn. Yeah, yeah, he he, was, he still is. He teach, still teaches there, of course. Yeah, yeah. So somewhere in there, I I met some of the people. I forget. I think it was just through the grapevine. I, I learned about uh, Big Apple Circus Clown Care. So I, I think the next thing after, after I started doing Motion Fest, I uh, went and trained with uh, Big Apple Circus to, to be a hospital clown. The, so that would have been 2001, and then they had workshops for all the like once a year we would have a conference uh, up in Massachusetts, and we would rent a big space and have workshops. And uh, I saw Avner again there, and uh, just so. Some somewhere I, I decided I, I'd heard he had a good two week workshop. It was together with his wife uh, Julie Goel. Mm-hmm. Like he would teach, she would teach in the morning and he'd teach in the afternoon. Uh, so yeah, two thousand six I go to the Celebration Barn. So I want to I want to say nineteen eighty six, I I went to Clown College. Two thousand is the next time I did any study. And those fourteen fifteen years I was pretty arrogant and felt I knew everything and. Uh, <laughs> Right, <laughs> and, and it wasn't until I started taking workshops that I'm I'm realizing, no, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know, and a lot of stuff I need to unlearn. <laughs> well, it's, I think a, a sense of arrogance helps as a performer, especially when you're in those environments. You're at the Renaissance Fair, you're on the street. You got to have a lot of self belief. There's there's no room for the timid, uh, you know, in those yeah. environments. Yeah, but you know, you can get away with lots of sort of rough technique and you, you you know when you start studying with people like Avner I never studied with this Django Edwards but he had quite a reputation uh, you know people who really study clown there's definitely a lot of intricacies to it yeah yeah 
and like I said, I started calling myself a clown before I even knew how to define the term. You know, when I went to clown college, I'm like, okay, now I know, now I can tell everyone what a clown is. And I, I've realized, I'd say over the last 10, 15 years, every time I try to like simplify or uh, nuance the definite, my definition of clown, I find an example that fits what a clown is, but does not fit my definition. Yeah, it's it's a very, I mean, you know, Bill Irwin's a clown, Ronald McDonald's a clown. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. I think the term, when the term new vaudeville came in, that kind of opened up a lot of like sort of the more sort of casually dressed clowns. I mean, I don't want to say casually dressed, but like the David Shiners and the Bill Irwins. The more natural clown. More naturalistic yeah. clowns, Avner. Like they're, 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 so they're wearing an outfit, but they're not wearing the clown outfit. They're not wearing the shoes. They're not wearing the makeup. Yeah, it's more naturalistic. But if if you go back uh, to like the late 1800s, early 1900s, you you look at some of the vaudevillians, and it's pretty much the David Shiner and Bill Irwin. Like they're they're not yeah they're not inventing this; they're reinventing it. They're you know they're pulling it out of the mothballs. In fact, a regard uh, the regard of flight, uh, Bill Irwin's uh, seminal work that uh, kind of put him on the map. Like the whole thing is uh, the new theater versus old theater, and he's bringing Shakespeare together <laughs> a slapstick. And uh, but it's it's all been done before. The big makeup people associate with clowns is not the only. That is not where clowns come from. It is just. I, I mean, yeah, I could. I guess we could well, talk about Joseph. Grimaldi I mean, it makes sense and, as as clowning moved into these bigger venues, the circuses where you know you have to play to the back rows. Right. That they exactly. needed this sort of big makeup, big actions. And when they became more on the stage, you know, they're able to kind of be more about Villian, the more of the Charlie Chaplin-esque subtleness that we associate more with the modern clowns, maybe. Well, uh, one, one of my teachers, uh, I think it was Dominique Jandot, was talking about, he, he saw, it, it was a, a, a period piece from like the 1700s. And acting styles have changed since the 1700s. And here's why. For one of the performances, the 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 electricity went out of the theater, but they said, we're still going to do it. It's a period piece. We're, piece. we're just going to do it in like with, uh, I think it was candles or, or gas lamps or something. They, they were, they did, did the, the show basically by candlelight. And the show is much more flat because you couldn't see anyone's faces. And uh, then, then it dawned on them is when you were seeing theater in a, in a basically inside a box with no electricity in the 1700s, you have to have exaggerated movements for, you know, for the audience to see what your emotion is. You, you have to uh, show with your body because no one can see your face under the uh, gas lamps or candlelight or whatever. So, uh, and, and circus clown makeup kind of follows along the same path. It's like you want your face as big as possible. Oh yeah. Makeup as well was a, a thing in the classical theater. It's like, caking on the makeup so people can see your face emote as much as possible in the dark. And the circus clown does the same thing, only even more garish. And the movements are much more broad. But it comes from that tradition of just doing comedy in low light. With, and if people are far away, even worse. You know, they can't really see what's going on. so Or, or they can't hear you talk. So you have to just show it with your body and make make your words very simple. Yeah, there's sometimes the clowning, though. You see it in performers who then move to the street or other aspects of you know, juggling. And sometimes the clown thing doesn't always translate uh, or that's like, oh, too much clowny. You know, it's, it's, it's right. the, there's this, that, that stickiness sometimes doesn't always translate into more of the modern kind of comedy juggler 
esque style. But I, I just want to speak to that. Uh, yeah, I, one of my big lessons was having to figure out when, like, I I learned how to perform for a, a stadium of twenty thousand people, but then yeah, I get a gig in a living room. <laughs> Or a hospital clown. You can't. You can't be a big, scary hospital clown. Exactly. You you have to learn to you learn your range. And a lot of people they have to learn to take their small and make it big. But clown college and, and clown is like no, uh, especially three ring circus style uh, American style clown. You want to be as big as possible, and you can bring it back from there. But you got to find the big in order to find the small. Uh, Avner works the opposite way. He says start from inside and emote it. Like bring bring it from the inside and just be natural, but there's yeah. there's there's somewhere in the middle that I I'm constantly trying to find when uh, when I'm working for an audience I, I'm trying to to make it natural and communicate it it's it those are often at odds with each other. Well, I mean you have all this great training, and I know you moved uh, to New York to kind of further your career. You're also a very talented artist. We never got into that at all, but I, I really enjoy your, your artwork, your cartoons. And you have a very, you know, a very specific sense of humor that comes through, you know, whether you're performing or whether you're doing your art. It's interesting to see that comedy come through in a different different way, you know, through your artwork. And that's available. Yeah. Can you tell people how they can if they're interested in finding about your art and, and finding out where they can purchase it, let people know where they can uh sample some of uh, Rich Potter's artwork. Yeah. <laughs> I think the easiest way is to go to my Instagram and look at my profile. Let me make sure I, I'm uh, I'm very bad at this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like, I know how to do it. It's just keeping up on it. Yeah, someone told me the other day, I should go to the app store on my phone. I'm like, there's an app store on my phone? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Not uh, very good at that. <laughs> okay, so my artwork is found easily through my profile on Instagram. Okay. I'm in Instagram at awful cute. It's uh, a W F U L C U T E. And, uh, oh, there's something naughty at the top of my feed. So, um, yeah, I, hmm. I just, I just got a little portable watercolor kit that fits in an Altoids tin. So, uh, my black and white sketchbook art is now uh, color sketchbook art. Yeah. It's, it's, and you had some kind of project. I remember what time back, were you trying to do like a painting a day or something? Oh, wow, yeah. See, I know about Rich Potter. I follow his adventures. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Uh, nice to have a fan. <laughs> or at least someone. Let's not go that far. Come on, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, oh, before we move on to that, that project, uh, I want to say uh, from my Instagram, of, you go to my link tree, which is right there, uh, awful cute. You can find my um, uh, two Etsy stores. One, I sell postcards, and the other, I sell t-shirts with my art on them okay. so it's it's on etsy one is awful cute and one is awful cute boutique for the clothing but you had asked about oh yeah and so in 2009 my wife was out of town i was bored i hadn't done any artwork in a while i mean i've always kept a sketchbook nearby but there there are times i've gone like three four or five months i carry the sketchbook and nothing goes in it but at this point 2009 i'm i'm just like I'll, uh, I got up off the couch and I painted a little painting, like five by seven, six by eight, something like that. And I said, you know, I could probably do one of these a day for a year, but let, let's see how tomorrow goes. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I have to build some momentum. So the next night I, I got up and I did another painting and another painting and uh, I, I managed to do on average one a day for a year. There was one point where I was skipping days and getting behind and then I do two, two paintings <laughs> right. in a night. Uh, and at one point, I got a month behind because I was studying. In, oh, God. <laughs> uh, I was studying in Spain, and uh, uh, like for a month, 
Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to give something to my classmates and there were like 40 of them. So I, I just, I assembly line, I, I went to the, I went to my dictionary and because I, I don't speak Spanish very well. And uh, I went to a pizzeria and I asked for some pizza boxes. I, I said, uh, I think carton, carton either means box or caja de carton or carton de, ca I think it's caja de carton. And I'm sure someone's going to correct me. Uh, is uh, I, I want a cardboard box because the uh, pizza boxes are white on one side and brown on the inside. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, I painted 40 identical paintings from chunks of pizza box. They were like uh, three <laughs> inches by three inches. Yeah. And I, I just assembly lined. I, I got it down to like nine brush strokes. Hmm. Do 40 of one brush stroke. And then I run them through again and run them through again. And nobody knew what they were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a nice gift though. You tried. Yeah, you know. it was, I mean, it, I mean, some people got it, but it, it was uh, uh, it was a piece of celery wearing a clown nose. Mm. The celery enters into the work I was doing in in there. Like I was known as the celery guy. <laughs> you work on an act with celery. Yeah, it was one of my pivotal moments in my clown education. And we're skipping a whole lot here, but uh, I started with my baby doll act. I wanted to develop my baby doll act, which I I was. Uh, started really putting together i mean the, this is like four more stories yeah in, we but, have to uh, kind of go like the, to the highlights i think at this point yeah yeah because uh, we try to keep around an hour there's so much like we, we haven't even touched on like the your sort of career highlights so let's let's just once again rapid fire these last few we'll try to get like the last few like five more minutes we'll try to finish up the rich potter story but it sounds like we could do a whole other podcast but you know every good thing has to come to an end so let's go okay here we go Last thing I saw you do was body double for Jimmy Fallon juggling pumpkins. Right. So how'd you get that gig? And explain what that was to our audience. This was one of the, these things where my best strategy was uh, sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I got the phone right. call. They, the Fallon people, they were Googling around for jugglers in New York. And I guess somehow the algorithm favored me. But they, they had called five or six people and they said, can you do this trick? Yes. What are your measurements? Bleh. And uh, my my bleh was close enough to Jimmy's measurements. Right. And so they're like, okay, you got the gig. Yeah, th this is how uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, people got their jobs with Ringling. It's like we have someone leaving the show with this $5,000 costume. Uh, we don't want to remake the costumes of who fits this costume. <laughs> right, right, and, right. Because and, you, you, you didn't see your face. No. Your back was to the camera. You were supposed to be Jimmy. Yeah. And then they cut away and they obviously, you know, you didn't really... I think you're taller or something. It didn't quite have the same effect, but it was funny. Yeah, yeah. And they have you juggling from the back and you're kind of twitching your butt and juggling three pumpkins? Three, pumpkins? Yeah, three uh, authentic 100% 100 real pumpkins. That's not easy to juggle. Kind of heavy, huh? Yeah, except they were fake. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Giving away the game. But that's a nice gig. You got a, a Tonight Show credit. Yeah. Uh, that's something they taped earlier, right? So they just tape it and... You don't really have to worry about dropping or anything. You just do your little bit. And... Well, here's the thing. Like when I did Letterman uh, years ago, I dropped yeah. and they kept that in. And, and I had one take and it was in front of the live audience. Uh, with Fallon, they pre-taped me and put me into the live show later. Live yeah. in front of an audience, not broadcast. Uh, yeah, they... yeah, yeah. And they, they had me do four or five takes. I didn't drop once. <laughs> the Letterman thing was very memorable. I still remember you were on a one stilt and juggling torches i mean right. it was it was a that's when he had that thing is it something was that what that was or is this anything oh is this anything yeah. the curtain would open 
that a lot of jugglers did that. that that's it. But look, you have Letterman and The Tonight Show on your credits. Right. That's, that's pretty rare for jugglers. And you have God the Show. You have your own one-man show. God the one-man show. God the one-man show. But we, we'll have to save that for the next time because also we have the Clown Cabaret you produced. Right. Co-produced. From 2010 to 2019, you co-produced. Yeah. I uh, probably brought a lot of performers in on that. Hundred. So it's good to see that, you know, not only are you working yourself, but you're getting work for other jugglers. And what does the future hold for, for Rich Potter? Well, uh, this long and drawn out question of what do I want to do when I grow up? <laughs> and I'm 40 years in, I don't know. Like I'm currently, I'm working national circus project, teaching uh, circus residencies in the public school system. I'm doing uh, library shows. I'm, I'm looking into doing more uh, with my visual art as my bones get more brittle. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not out yet, but I'm kind of looking uh, more and more at the future. It's like, uh, do I want to be 70 years old and still climbing up on a six foot unicycle? And sure you do. Sure. Remember, you have to grow up. No, you have to grow old, but you don't have to grow up. Is that the direction? Yeah, exactly. So stay on that unicycle. Don't. Uh... That's one thing I never wanted to do, though. You know, be on a giraffe like that. That's a. Uh... Uh, a whole other thing. And actually, the, the gigs I'm doing now, I'm not, I, I don't, the last time I was on the giraffe was about a year and a half ago. Yeah, so maybe get, get rid of that first yeah. as your bones get creaky. Yeah, still. That'll, that'll probably add another five, 10 years you can do this gig, you know? Yes, and still walking is the other thing. It's like, it's it's such a cash cow, but I'm just like, uh, uh, how much longer do I want to be on those things? Yeah, well, you've had, a, you've had a, a really long career. You know, I've known you for a long, long time. I always like people to sort of end with, uh, some bit of, bit of philosophy or perspective on performing, you know, something you've learned or something you can pass along. What is some secret or philosophy that Rich Potter can share as his final words to our, our Drop Everything audience? Oh, wow. Probably something to the effect of uh, when you think you know it all, stop doing it. <laughs> you, yeah. you have to empty that cup a little bit, right? If the cup is full to the brim, you're not going to add any more knowledge, right? You have to empty that cup sometimes. I'm, I'm going to take that away. That's mine now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the old Bruce Lee or the the cone. Is it a cone? The story where they're, he's pouring the oh, the tea and he, right. he doesn't stop. And he goes, but master, it's already full. So are you. You know, something, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah we, always, we always can learn more. We always can grow more. And we can always uh, stay connected with our friends. And I'm glad uh, we connected uh, on this episode of Drop Everything. Yeah. And hope to see you uh, soon in the future. And of course, I... I wish you the best. A big thanks to not Bertha Nerd anymore, not God the One Man Show anymore, Rich Potter, visual and performing artist. Oh. So thanks, Rich. Thank you, Dan. I hope you enjoyed Drop Everything Podcast number 125, my conversation with the great Rich Potter. Thanks, Rich. Keep spreading joy and laughs and doing all the good stuff you do out there in the world. Hey, before you go, check out juggle.org to find out more about the IJA. They've sponsored this podcast from the beginning, and I'm very thankful for the IJA for letting me record all these wonderful conversations with all these great jugglers. All right, now go out there in the world and drop everything, except when you're juggling. <laughs>